When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, Buckeye Nation? Uh, welcome to our very first 2021 Instant Recap. Um, it's gonna be, I, honestly, Chris, I don't know how we're going to keep this one short. Uh, there's so much to talk about with this game, with it being week one. Um, but as always, I don't know if I can say as always, we've only done a couple of these with TBT, but I'm your host, Jordan. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Chris. You hear us on Buck Off. You get us before the game, now you get us after. Um, and we're here to, to break down week one, game one of Ohio State. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about the game? What are your initial thoughts? You know, I, I throughout the game, I had to keep reminding myself, uh, it's a first game. Uh, it's not going to be pretty. But at the same time, there were just moments in the game where I thought Ohio State really gave Minnesota like the golden ticket. Like They were letting them in the game. They were giving them opportunities. And whether... You agree, like everyone, I saw Twitter, the refs are out to get Ohio State, whoop-dee-doo. The refs are always out to get every team. It's it's just the way it is. Uh, it, it was tough to watch. And, you know, there were some bad penalties. There were some penalties that kept drives going. And then with the young quarterback in the rain against a defense that P.J. Fleck was making pretty complex, uh, honestly, coming out with a 14-point win, uh, that's I'm, I'm pretty ecstatic about it if I'm an Ohio State fan. No, I agree. I mean, uh, I hope everyone listening to this has also listened to our recap. Uh, and we try to stress as much as possible that this Minnesota team was good. Yeah. Um, they were good in Ohio. And we stressed, as we talked about, that it's the first game and there's going to be mistakes. 
So when you couple mistakes with a good team, that's what happens. Um, it was there was some there were some times where you think Ohio State should have put their foot on the gas and it shouldn't have been so close. And if you feel that way, that's fair. But also you got to recognize that hey, they're a good team, and when you give them chances, they're going to capitalize. Um, and there are some teams that wouldn't capitalize, but Minnesota's a good team that's well coached, uh, and they did what I expected them to do, especially when Ohio State is going to give them, you know, free yards with penalties or bad throws or whatever. Yeah, and I think one thing I want to add to that is Minnesota did an awesome job at capitalizing on Ohio State's mistakes and miscues, whether it was offensively when T.J. Stroud threw the interception or when Ohio State did kind of get that controversial roughing the passer call. They ended up icing the series and then, you know, scoring a touchdown. So, Uh, When you make mistakes, you have to make up the ground on them. You have to make plays to, like, contradict the mistake. And Ohio State didn't do the best job at that tonight. Uh, I think we're going to get into quite a few of the positions that uh, struggled and all that stuff. But I I do think in the rain, in the first game, on the road, in the Big Ten, uh, against a guy as crafty as a coach like P.J. Fleck, who is going to have his players up, uh, you know, Ohio State took it over in the second half, and it, it really felt in hand after the second Chris Olave touchdown. Uh, so I do think there was a lot of positives to take away from the game, but there's definitely some stuff going into the Oregon game that I'm a little worried about. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. So uh, let's let's start just very quickly from the very beginning. Um, there were some interesting lineups, um, defensive, offensive. Uh, I tried to get them as best as possible, just watching and also looking at what other people said on Twitter. Um, but I do want to talk about the lineups and kind of our initial thoughts when we saw them. Some of it's due to injury, injury so maybe we shouldn't go too, too far. But there was definitely some surprises. So for the defense, uh, and these are not in order by position, if anyone's going to listen to this, because I was just trying to get them as quick as possible. So if I'm jumping around, I do apologize. Um, but we had Tyreek Smith, Teron Vincent, Antoine Jackson, and Zach Harrison uh, at defensive line. Uh, we had the biggest surprise, in my opinion, uh, Tommy Eichenberg at linebacker, uh, Lathan Ransom, Ryan Watts, Denzel Burke, Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, and Taraja Mitchell uh, rounded out the defense. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I mean, you know me. I've been on the young corners this whole offseason. I think me and a few other uh, people who are covered Ohio State have been. But Watts and Burke, uh, seeing them go out there first, you know, the unavailability report came out, so Cam Brown wasn't playing. But I didn't know Seven Banks wasn't playing at all either. Uh, It seemed like he was a game-time scratch. And I think coming into camp with all these guys banged up, uh, that's a huge question mark. And I think the two young corners did well. Uh, Eichenberg, we, we shouted him out on Buck Off before the game. Uh, did we think he was going to have this much of an impact week one? I don't know. Uh, I didn't think so. But, you know, the defensive line, I wasn't really surprised about it. I thought that's exactly how they'd come out. I, I was surprised at Vincent over Garrett. But I guess at the end of the day, when you're going up against a line that big, you kind of want to get your big on big in the inside. So I, what, what surprised you about it a little bit? Um, definitely uh, Eichenberg. Uh, I, what I'm going to be interested to see is if he's firmly in that position or if it was because of Minnesota's offensive line. Um, I mean, Cody Simon uh, didn't start, but he got a lot of time. I feel like uh, maybe 
it's hard to tell sometimes with defense, especially because the camera angle favors the offense. Um, but I would love to look at snap counts because I feel like Cody Simon maybe was in there a little bit more than any of the other linebackers, even though he didn't start. Um, Eichenberg definitely played a lot. And I think aside from some, you know, freshman tackling, freshman and first, he's not a freshman, but first game starting and first game tackling mistakes, especially going against a running back as talented as Mo Ibrahim. I think he played pretty well. So that surprised me. And then the other thing that surprised me is just, it's stealing what you said, but the fact that they started both of the young corners. Um, There are some corners who are a little older, who maybe they're not as talented, whatever. But the fact that they're like, okay, we don't have Cam Brown and Seven Banks. We're going young. We're going with the freshman. Uh, He showed it. He deserved it. And they just threw him out there in the fire. Um, That was not... Even with the injuries, that was not a decision I expected them to make. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I, I saw a lot of, like, people who were kind of like, oh, the defensive backs, they're not playing too well. I'm like, you know, the defensive backs have, like, six pass breakups, and, like, Ryan Watts and Denzel Burke were in great position a lot of the time, finishing plays, making tackles in the open field. They did not look like freshman defensive backs. Now, I think the no. cover safety – uh Lathan Ransom had a little bit of trouble in coverage. Ronnie Hickman, a little bit of trouble in coverage. But two young guys uh, putting safeties in man-to-man positions, sometimes it gets a little tough. But I I think the starting lineup, uh, injuries aside, was interesting. Uh, I think, like you said, they rotated a bunch. So I think the starting lineups defensively aren't going to mean as much as the offensive side of the ball. So I just think it was a matchup-on-matchup sort of deal. I I think they went size-on-size. And I think later in the game, you saw less Taraja Mitchell, more Cody Simon, less Tommy Eichenberg, more Dallas Gantt. You started seeing a little bit more of the athletic linebackers getting in there. And it just kind of matched up a little bit better some for some reason, especially with Ibrahim in space. Yeah, and I'm going to be completely honest, and I don't mean to offend anyone by saying this, but if you think the young corners didn't play well, I just don't think you know that much about football. Most of the plays that they gave up, were scheme plays. It was as, again, I really hope that you you read the film review because if you did, it wouldn't have surprised you. It's, you know, uh, right. Um, Kerry Combs likes to play off because he leaves them on islands and Minnesota likes to play. They like to do glance. They like to do RPOs. So a lot of the, 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 the catches where you can be like, oh, well, where, where were they? It was a quick route. It was an RPO, and they were off. When they were in one-on-one coverage, there yeah. really wasn't many times when they got beat. The only play that really stands out is Legend Cavazos, and it wasn't a bad play. He just didn't play the ball. Yeah, and that and he's young. Like and he that's has just to learn what it is. Exactly, he has to learn where to shoot his hands. He shot his hands. He just put them in the wrong spot. And also, um, as you'll see when I write my big thoughts, unless something else changes, that wide receiver has really strong hands. Like, he has to, like, I don't know, maybe we're not going to see one-handed catches, any of that other kind of stuff, but when he gets his hands on the ball, he doesn't drop it. He really impressed me. Uh, He, what, his name uh, slipped in my mind. Uh, Dalen, Dalen, hold on. I'm going to find, I want to give him his respect. Dalen Wright. Dalen Wright, yeah, from Texas A&M. They were talking him up. And he's a guy, I think once they get Ottenham Bell back, I know, uh, we're going to talk about Ibrahim in a little bit, but with his questionable return in the season, uh, I think Ottenham Bell, once he's healthy, I think this guy is going to be, it's going to be one of the better receiver tandems in the Big Ten, uh, obviously behind Wilson and Olave, but I think in the top 
three or four. With those yeah, two I, I mean, I'm just going to tease it because I don't care. When I write my big thoughts column on Sunday, I'm going to be talking about him. Um, I, unless something drastic happens, because I am going to keep it to 10 to 14 slugs and something knocks him off, I'm going to be talking about him because I think he – I mean, it wasn't a breakout game in the sense of, you know, oh, he had 10 catches, 100 yards, whatever. But he made some really good plays as a young player that makes you like, yeah, like he has something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think defensively, these corners were challenged. These guys, they're not yeah. slouches on the defense, on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Those receivers aren't bad. So I think when you look at, what Ohio State fans expect. I, I really thought they played well. I really did. I think they're going to grade out well when the champions are released. Uh, I think Ronnie Hickman played well. I think I think all things considered, I think they could have tackled a little better. But you and I both know we've played games in the rain. Uh, in first games, you already suck at tackling. And then you add that little bit, that 55, 60 degrees in rain. No one wants to tackle. It's not fun. No, not at all. Uh, let me ask you a question before we move on to the offensive starters. Who do you think led the team in tackles? Uh, if I had to bank on it, I, I'd probably say I, I want to go with Cody Simon. No. Was it Hickman? It was, yeah, he had 11. Shoot. Hickman, Hickman had 11, 5 solo. Taraji Mitchell had 10, 4 solo. Dallas Gant had 8, 4 solo. And then Cody Simon had seven, three solo, one sack, and a tackle for a loss. So in uh, the Big Ten and the LGHL predicts, I think I said Ronnie Hickman or Cody Simon, and Matt made fun of me for it. But you know what? I'm taking my half credit if either one of them finishes. <laughs> Listen, no, I mean, he he looked good. He definitely looked good. Um, Cody Simon had – I mean, he had seven. He was tied for fourth. Um I feel like he made more plays than he actually did. Yeah. I mean, seven tackles is not nothing to, to Plus his you know. sack was just ridiculous. Yeah, it was. So, I Shout think out he's going to go out of PT. Yeah. No, he definitely is. Okay, so the offensive starters uh, didn't really surprise me. The, the only one that we really didn't expect is Luke Whipler. But yeah, but that's not our fault. Yeah, you expect that when you know that Harry Miller's injured. So the offensive starters, CJ Stroud, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Mayan Williams, who maybe is a surprise, but if you've been listening, everyone has said that he's been getting all the first team snaps and camp. Yeah. Uh, then we had Thayer Mufford, Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson, N- Nicholas uh, Petit Friere, Luke Whipler at center, Jeremy Ruckert, and Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave at wide receiver. Oh, Jackson Smith and Jake, that's the one that I forgot. Yep. Yeah. So outside of Harry Miller being injured, which no one knew was happening. Luke Whipler's the only surprise on offense. And yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm just going to ask, does Luke give up that job? Uh, first instinct, I, I, I'd probably say yeah, but he played really well. I think you got to give him a lot of credit for kind of that last minute call. Uh, you know, the thing is with how tight Ohio State is with information, I, I don't know how last minute it was. I don't know how much Luke Whipler got to actually prepare as a starter. Uh, could this have been something that was figured out like a week ago and they just didn't really share it, you know? Uh, so that's kind of where I kind of was a little intrigued by it because the unavailability report came out like what, an hour before the game. And yeah, then, and I, I knew and you, like no one gets that information out of Ohio state. No, that's Ryan day is, is decently forthcoming in some things, but in injuries and that kind of stuff, he's not, not, in, not at all. 
I do think the competition got a little tired, though, and I don't think Harry Miller just walks back in and gets his job back. No, I agree, and I feel like isn't there another offensive lineman who lost their job because of injury? Am I tripping in, like, the last four or five years? I feel like there was an offensive lineman who, like, there was a tight competition, and the guy started and never gave the job back. Uh, I think that well, that might have been Josh Myers, honestly. That's actually, no, that does sound right. I know that was, like, very, very vague. and like I think that I, was a camp injury, too, and then he kind of took it and then ran with it. That that sounds right to me. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I got a question for you. Uh, the offense started off pretty slow. Uh, outside of the big run for Mayan Williams, it was kind of uh, lethargic, I think would be the right word to put it. I think, uh, you know, once we analyze this a little further uh, – I feel like the recovery was pretty good, though. I, I guess I wanted to see how you felt about that. I feel – I think – well, one, first of all, first game, C.J. Stroud. Crowd, we talked about traveling. We talked about playing the Big Ten. We talked about, you know, at night games, and they were packed. Like, they were sold out. So, yep. all of that matters. Um, so, C.J. Stroud was going to have his hiccups. Um, the thing that really got to me, though, is I don't like Ryan Day's play call. I feel like, and I've never seen this from Ryan Day, but I feel like he was treating Minnesota like they were like Akron or like they were like an FCS school. Like with yeah. his rotation at running back, giving Master Teague that full drive. And here's the thing. Fine, you get him some carries, but that drive went so long and they didn't replace another running back. The rotation at linebacker sometimes, some of the play call, I really feel like he was testing out too many things and not really respecting the fact that Minnesota was good and was going to capitalize. And so I also don't think that really helped C.J. Stroud that much uh, because, as you saw, when we put in Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson and we could get those big chunk plays, it opened up the passing game for C.J. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I wanted to add was, you know, two of CJ's big touchdowns came off of well-designed play action passes that were set up that same drive with similar run schemes. And then yeah. they just broke it open. And then you hit Garrett Wilson on the cross or you hit Chris Olave twice on great play action pass designs. And he scores both of them. Yeah. And three of his four touchdowns were on crossing type routes. If you want to be technical, you could say that Garrett Wilson's was probably a post yeah. And then he just broke it weird when he caught it to get the touchdown. But both of Alave's big catches were on legitimate deep crossings, deep yeah. crossings right off the run, off of play action. And so it, we talked about it. The operation's not smooth. You have to try some things. I wasn't entirely happy with the play call, but they flipped it around. So it's not something that I'm going to, you know, complain about or think is going to be an issue and, in in, you know, the entire season. I just don't think that, by trying to rotate so many people and trying to try all these new things, I don't think they put CJ Stroud in the best position in the first half on top of the fact that he missed some throws that we know he's going to make. Like the the, um, the pass to Garrett Wilson where Garrett Wilson had to lay out. First of all, I'm willing to say 95% of the time, Garrett Wilson's going to make that catch. If it's not raining, he does every time. We see that. We've seen all of his videos in camp and all this. Like he's one of the best diving catchers that you've seen, especially because a lot of players don't like to dive because it hurts. It does, just being yeah. honest. Uh, he makes that if it's not raining. Uh, but also, C.J. Stroud, I think, gives him a slightly better ball where he doesn't have to dive, you know, in week three or week four, week, yeah, especially, you know, week eight. So 
there was just some minor tweaks, you know, some minor things that you expect from a young quarterback. But I do think in trying to be fair and trying to be a little critical, I don't think Ryan Day put Stroud in the best position um, yeah. at all times. To be like, you know, you think back a few years ago, Ohio State played Wisconsin in 2019 at home in a similar weather game. And I, this is the only time I've seen Ryan Day kind of be a hesitant play caller with his quarterback. And I don't know what it does with the drizzle. Uh, I know how they rotate footballs in the modern college football game. There's never really a wet ball out there until the end of a drive. So it, it you don't need to really slow down the passing game as much as it feels like he does at times when it starts sprinkling out a little bit. Yeah, no. I, the one thing that I will give Ryan Day credit for, especially in the beginning, he did a lot of like um, short, quick throws to get him in yep. rhythm. And personally, I hate passes behind the line of scrimmage. I just think it's pointless. I don't really like screens. I don't really like, but the the passes behind the scrimmage that he did were all with your momentum leading forward, yeah. where you're most likely even you're going to get three or four yards, which essentially equates for a run. I don't like passes behind the line of scrimmage where you're going backwards and then you have to start and stop and go forward, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think he started out well. Uh, it, I hate to you know talk bad on a player, but it was really player and coaches. That Mayan Williams drive was the start of the offense, you know, slowing yeah. down. I, they they relied way too much on him. They weren't getting any chunk plays. The offensive passing plays off of not getting chunk plays weren't working, and it stalled the entire offense for the rest of the first half. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I think I think Ryan Day got a little bit more. I think they had to get comfortable with each other a little bit, honestly. And I think they gained a little continuity at the end of this game. I think having Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave making those yards after catch plays, like, come on. Like, you couldn't ask for anything better from him. Like, Chris Olave, I think, what, what do you have his yardage total? Because, like. Yeah. Uh, he was four receptions for 117 yards and two touchdowns. That might have been the easiest 117 yards he's ever had. Oh, it was. Like, I mean, his last touchdown was stupid. Because, first of all, aside from the this, aside from him not going out of bounds, he should have been tackled. Yeah, easily. I and think that was like, the worst angle anyone's ever taken, and he just stopped and then was like, all right, I'm fast, so here we go. It's almost one of those, like, you know, like sometimes you can, like, see people thinking. It's one of those, like, oh, wait, you're not going to tackle me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let me just let me just run to the end zone. <laughs> like, it like, like, you know. I just saw it, and everyone's like, oh, my God, did he step out? I'm like, no. No, he didn't. <laughs> like, it's Chris Olave. What do you think? He didn't know where he was? You know, um, you know, like in practice, right? And so you see it a lot in like practice tape when they're like, no matter where you catch the ball, finish in the end zone. Yeah, that's what it looked like. It looked like practice. Someone like tapped them up because they're not tackling, and then he just ran to finish in the end zone. Yeah, Except exactly. It was a real game, and he should have been tackled. That's how his first one was too. His first long touchdown. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that was exciting. I mean, seeing him get a smooth 117 yards and two touchdowns that effortlessly, I'm feeling pretty good about the touchdown record after that game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's funny. Um, Ari Wasserman had a tweet. He was like, I love when the uh, the broadcast is talking about Ohio State 
um, making them sweat, or like Minnesota making Ohio State sweat, and the the video is Alave on the sideline smiling. Yeah, <laughs> like, like they were they weren't worried. Maybe they should have been a little bit because Minnesota's good, but they were not worried at all. So yeah, no, I think they came in, they made their adjustments offensively. You know, uh, I'm looking at the first half numbers you put in the show plan. Uh, Stroud wasn't wasn't the prettiest. Uh, he mm-hmm. had like six yards per completion, but I. Everyone was like thinking like Morgan was. Everyone made it seem like Morgan was torching the defense. There was literally nothing Tanner Morgan did that C.J. Stroud didn't do better in the first half. It's just no. an interception versus a touchdown. Yeah. And side note: if you didn't watch the game, don't have ESPN, don't have any of that kind of stuff. We got 22 minutes in without actually saying the score. Ohio State won 45 to 31. Um, just to put that out there. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to 22 minutes and didn't know the score. We apologize. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the first, half, the first half stats, C.J. Stroud was 8 for 14, 58 yards in the interception. The interception, it was tough. He threw it behind him. It got tipped. That kind, that stuff kind of happens. Um, he was He's not Justin Fields for 97% of his career where he just wasn't going to throw interceptions. I mean, I think Justin threw like seven interceptions in his entire career, and yeah. three of them were in one game. So, like, we knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and, you know, bringing that up, like, it, it kind of took me a second to realize, like, Justin Fields was an all-time great quarterback. And yeah. And he was a true freshman. Like, like, it took me a second to grasp that, you know, in the game. I'm like, what is going on with our quarterback play? I'm like, come on, Chris, like, calm down a little bit. Like, this kid, he's, like, 19 years old, 20 years old. Like, there, this is his yeah. first start. This is his first passes, like. Could he develop into a special quarterback like Justin Fields? Absolutely. But in my head, I was thinking, like, what's wrong with the quarterback play? I haven't seen this in years. And it's because we've had Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields. Yeah, and Dwayne Haskins was stupid. He was literally stupid efficient, which is how he got to 50 touchdowns, had a rocket. And Justin Fields is one of the best college quarterbacks ever. Um, I, I feel like you can say that. And his athleticism. I think that's the one thing I noticed as well was C.J. Strouds doesn't have that same juice. He doesn't have the Jets that Justin Fields did. And that was the first time where I'm like, you know what? Maybe Justin Fields did run a 4-3. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Because, I mean, C.J. Strouds looked a little slow. And he's definitely not slow. I, I bet you if, you if you put him out there, he's probably 4-5, four, 4-6, four, which is good for a quarterback. I mean, but he's, but he's not, not Justin Fields. No. But he, he's a good athlete, very good athlete, but he's not spectacular. God, he's not know. once in a generation. That Garrett Wilson throw he threw, and this is kind of before we get into our full analysis. Is like like this is the last thing I want to say. If you have anything else after, uh, that ball the way it spun, the way it just kind of like floated, and then just all of a sudden just dropped into his hands perfectly was like some elegance you just really don't get to see from a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I definitely once he settled down, I definitely saw what they meant by he gives them a chance, oh, and okay. I think. We already mentioned them, but just talking about them, the Garrett Wilson throw and the two Chris Olave throws for sure. The reason why they scored is he put the ball in a spot where they could immediately catch it and turn up field. Yeah. And and that is a talent in itself because quarterback is hard. And if you try, you have to lead. To be a good quarterback, you have to lead. But it's very easily to lead too far yeah. where they can't catch it. Where if they catch it, they immediately stumble, or they have to dive, or it gets intercepted. To put the ball in the basket where they don't have to break stride, they can just catch it and turn the field. And he did it three times 
for well, yeah, he did it three times for three touchdowns. Like I definitely see, you know, the the flashes of them saying like he always gives them a chance. Yeah, um, for sure. It was there. It just wasn't consistent, and you just can't expect that from uh, first a first year starter. quarterback. Yeah, no. So, um, I, I think we can go ahead and get kind of into into the analysis. Um, we made it twenty five minutes without mentioning Mo Ibrahim, so I guess we should start there, and, and that can kind of lead us into a little bit of a defense analysis. Um, Mo Ibrahim ended the game with thirty carries for one hundred and sixty two yards, two touchdowns, and a five point four yards per carry average. Um, the first thing I have to say about that is when we talked on Buck Off, the yeah. number that we both said was roughly 130. Uh, he surpassed that early in the fourth quarter, unfortunately, before he got injured. Uh, how, were, how did you feel in the game watching him? Do you think it was him? Do you think there's a problem with the defense? Uh, personally, I felt like Bill Davis was on the coaching staff. Yeah. Some of that was uh, some, like, as, as we talked about, the linebackers played good, but they definitely could have played better. There were some bad angles, some but not some some bad play recognition, things like that. I'm not going to keep talking because I want to hear your analysis. But what are your thoughts on the 30 for 162 two touchdowns? And where does that lie? Whose fault is that? Is it defense yeah. or Mo? Yeah, so I'll be honest. When we were talking on the show, I, I, I know I made the joke. I'm like, if he has two bills, uh, I think there's going to be a problem that we need to look into. And if he didn't get hurt, I just want to go on record. He probably would have had 200 yards rushing. Easily. Easily. Like, I think you have to give him a lot of credit because there was a lot of times where he was hit at the line of scrimmage. He was hit in the backfield, and he turned three-yard runs into eight-yard runs. He turned eight-yard runs into 20-yard runs. And I think at the end of the day, Ohio State's going to show up as a tackling team. And I think outside of some bad angles on some plays, uh, like – they were there most of the time. Like they were in position a lot of the time. And I think going against an experienced offensive line, going up against an experienced offense, they were able to do some more clever things to put the defense in bad positions. So I, I just honestly want to give credit to Ibrahim and Minnesota here. I don't think there's, there's going to be a, uh, unfortunately, I, I think the injury is more serious than the announcement crew was leading on. Uh, I think we kind of all saw that, at first, it looked like Kickman got him down, but I think it's going to be more serious than that. With Ibrahim, I think they could have been an 11-win team, honestly. Uh, so I mean, that's how good he looked to me, and I think he was going to be a 2,000-yard rusher. Yeah, I had them at 7-5, and five, and watching this game, I was like, no, there's no way. Because I was like, they're at 7-5 and five because they play Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State, or Indiana, and someone else, Northwest. They play a lot of the top teams. And I'm like, there's no way. Like they and I had them essentially just losing every game to the top teams, and that wasn't going to happen. No. They were going to be uh, Iowa. They were going to be at least two of those five, and they were going to get to nine and three, ten and two, um, 11, 11 wins with the the postseason. I mean, he was he was really good. Uh, can I tell you something? I just did this math on my phone. That yeah. makes me in the moment. This is honest reaction. That makes me feel so much better about the defense. If you take away the 56-yard run, he had 29 carries for 106 yards, which is 3.6 yards per carry. Yeah, and for a guy who we think is going to get 2,000 yards, because I was thinking about that too, like outside of 56 yards, uh, which is something 
I, I think, you know, they sold out to stop the interior run there. And that's kind of what gave oh, up the outside. But I just, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, he gashed us. He did. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, not to tell you what to do in your film review, I hope you picked that one because I was watching that play. I don't even know what to call that play because, it, like, he – it's weird because they did it two or three times, and every time yeah. he got at least 10 yards, he, they sell out down block, and then he runs off the tight end. He runs yeah. to the weak side off the tight end. Anyone who know, who doesn't know a lot about football or, like, play design and stuff like that, just trust me and the fact that that is not a normal play design. Yeah, it really felt like they were using the blocking seam to say, like, hey, Mo, go make a play for us. Like Literally. And, and in most cases, especially when you don't have a running back like that, if you block like that and if you block everyone to the right and your running back goes left, you're benching him. Yeah. Good player because or not. Usually he's running into a linebacker or a defense end on the backside. And it felt like in the play, it felt like the play was designed like that. They just washed everything down and essentially just created a one-on-one. It was either with the first linebacker, a defensive, and if he played it right, or the safety. It was like we're going to wash everyone away from you, and you're going to get a one-on-one. And personally, I've never seen that play call, so no. I'm not mad at Ohio State for you know not getting it right because it's I mean, weird. Like it felt like they read their keys. It felt like they played it like they should have, and then Mo Ibrahim just made a play. Yeah, but it, it, he made a play, but it felt it felt like it was because they did it three or four times, and it felt like it was designed that way. Yeah. You just don't you, – your running back does not run away from blockers. That's yeah. football 101. He does not run the opposite side of blockers unless you have Mo Ibrahim, and that was just a play call. And he – they blocked every – they put, you know, a couple – I think they had six or seven um, offensive linemen. They had – it was heavy to the right. They had a tight end on the backside to the left. And everyone blocked down to the right, and then Mo went left. Yeah, and had a one on one, and he won. Yeah, I, I mean, in space, one on one matchups, he, he was hard to bring down. He is like we said on our pregame show with Buck off this week. He's a load. Like he's five ten. He's explosive. Number one, he gets to that second level, and then I realized, like, okay, his top end speed's not that fast because Bryson Shaw caught him, but. Like his getting there, it, it's a lot like J.K. Dobbins. Like, yeah, once he gets like in that five to ten yard range, I don't think there's anybody faster. It's that long speed that's a little lacking. Actually, I'm glad that you said that because he literally reminds me of J.K. Felt so much like J.K. Dobbins. Like everything, including getting hawked at the yeah. back end, <laughs> felt exactly like J.K. Okay, so. Let's get into a little bit um, of some deeper analysis and some of the stuff we talked about in some uh, just regular conversation. Um, we already talked about Ryan Day's vanilla play calling. We talked about Ibrahim's um, a beast. Uh, Stroud's very, very shaky in the first half. Um, one of the things that I wrote down is the linebackers are not great. And I just want, I just want your thought on that. I know we kind of touched on it. But do you think it's the players? Do you think it's the scheme? Like, I'm going to say it again because I tweeted it like six times. I really felt like Bill Davis was back out there. Um, so I'm going to put it two ways. What do you think the issues with the linebackers were, for one? And for two, which I think anyone who has eyes knows the answer, who are the linebackers that should play? Because not all of them need to play. Yeah, I think that my first issue, I don't think it's scheme, honestly. I think the scheme did what it was supposed to. I think there was a lot of missed tackles, which I think can get fixed over time. 
I think mixed tackle missed tackles will be resolved in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but my issue with the linebackers mostly was I, I didn't see I didn't see a physicality from all of them that I would want to see. I think when you're playing an O line like that, when you're playing a physical run team like that, uh, that was kind of lacking. And I don't know if that comes on Al Washington or Kerry Coombs. Uh, but it did feel like there was kind of a lack of continuity there. I, I, like we've been saying this the whole time. There hasn't been anybody in the linebacker room who's just kind of gotten that rave review that a Travion Henderson has, the rave review that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have gotten. You know, we haven't had that guy in there. And I think, I don't know if it's a lack of talent. I don't know if it's a lack of development. I don't know what's the issue, but it just doesn't seem like everything's clicking in that room. Yeah, I don't know what it. I don't know what it is either. Um, someone on Twitter was joking. Um, actually, they weren't joking. They said, you know, people are calling Al Washington a head coaching candidate, but one of these years he has to field a good group. Like, he, yeah. And so, one thing that I'll say, um, and you know, I'm not sure if everyone knows this, but as someone who played linebacker, linebacker is very much like offensive line. You need continuity, like. On a defense, you can rotate a million defensive ends. Yeah. You can really rotate your corners. Your linebackers should play. You're like if your top two or three linebackers, unless you take them out for matchups or something like that, they should play 75, 80% of the snaps unless they're absolutely tired. Because there's so much that goes into it. Like linebackers read plays differently. They fill gaps differently. They have different strengths. Like you it's not a one way to play a position and when you know how someone plays if you know that someone's extra aggressive you can make up for it or if you know that someone takes a step too far like just like offensive line you need to know like hey on this type of play I have to take an extra step I have to hang on to this defensive tackle a little bit longer so the guard can go out like whatever those little things are linebacker and offensive line are really the thing where you want to play units you want to switch out everyone so that they know how to play and when you're just switching out player after player after player, you don't get that. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah. And I think that's a part of the issue. And I think one thing, I know uh, <coughs> Andrew Lynn, I think he's with uh, Buckeye's Cube. He posted a funny meme with Jeff Halfley with the Wolverine hands. <laughs> uh, it cracked me up. But I, I think at the end of the day, what Halfley did so well was he simplified his scheme. He said, you know what? We've got good football players here. We're going to let them play ball. And sometimes I feel like Kerry Coombs with all the multiple defenses, with all the stuff he wants to do, I think he gets a little lost in translation at times. And I think the linebackers tend to be the ones who get screwed over the most by that. Yeah, because defense is a position. Like, there are some positions on defense where you have to think. Mainly safety. You know that you played safety. But a lot of defense is read and react. You don't yeah. want to be thinking. Like, if anyone's, anyone who's played football, you remember, your your defensive calls are, like, easy. Like, yeah. offensive calls may take, like, 10 seconds, and your defensive calls be, like, eagle. Right. Yeah. yeah. Lucy, like, Roger, like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you don't even talk. You just tap your head, cover three, like, you know, a hand yeah. side because you want to read and react. And I think you make a perfect point. That's a it's part of the issue. When you go to the NFL, it's not as easy because everyone's a top athlete. Everyone's Every, smart. Everyone's a professional football player. But you don't need that in college all the time. No, especially when you really look at it, like there's no reason Taraja Mitchell shouldn't be a one-man wrecking crew with his size and athleticism. I saw him scrape down the line a few times. I'm like, holy shit, if I was on the other side of that, I would like 
I'd fall. I'd collapse. I'd be like, I'm not taking this hit right now. Like, well, it's the same thing with Malik Harrison. Yeah, and you know, you look at Cody Simon when he kind of just flew. Like they put him in. They're like, hey, go make some plays, and that's what Cody Simon did. And I think Eichenberg kind of got a lot of responsibility for a young guy being. Uh, it looked like the Mike, and he had to make a lot of decisions in his first start, and that's that's a big ask for him. And you're going to add a lot of these complex defensive things in front of him. You're going to have him have to call unbalances and stuff that he wasn't really prepared for. That's kind of where I'm like, hey, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, one thing that I will say that I just hope with the defense, I hope that they, they do a better job of, like, recognizing what the team is doing. Because I tweeted this. Like, literally, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm drinking fake beer. I can't really drink beer, so I'm drinking Mike's hard. And I'm like, hmm, every time they have a tight end, they run opposite. They run weak. Most teams run yeah. strong. They run weak. And it felt like Ohio State just never adjusted to that. Uh-huh. They just like they never realized, like, hey, the tight ends are like, and I get it. In real football, in most cases, you run strong. So you shade your defense to the strong side. But Minnesota ran weak every single time. And they got out leveraged because they shifted the defense. Yeah, and then you're getting one-on-ones on the outside with corners trying to tackle guys like Mo Ibrahim, and that's not a good recipe for success. No, never. Although, we let's talk about it because I have it on here. The corners actually did tackle pretty well. They, they did. Well. I, I, mean, I think they're the group I'm the proudest of in this game. Like, yeah. I, like we said, if you think they played bad, I really don't think you understand football. No, um, and that, we don't mean that disrespectfully, or maybe we do, because they played really well. I have it here. Burke, Simon, Ransom, and Cavazos all flashed. Granted, yes, Simon is a linebacker, um, but three of the four that I felt flashed the most as young guys are all in the secondary. I yep. mean, I'm so glad that the refs finally got something right, because yeah. Legend Cavazos had uh, – uh, not Legend. Lathan, Lathan Ransom had a old-school hit that was legal – Shoulder to shoulder. On a player who he wasn't, like, that wasn't him. He recovered, he saw it, and he caused a fumble. He dropped his shoulder. Like, what do you want Lathan Ransom to do? And everyone's saying he's defenseless. Like, you can't be defenseless when you have both feet on the ground. And you're putting your shoulders down. And you put your shoulder, like, that's not defenseless. That's That's a football move. That's defense. When you put your shoulder down, you are, you're defending yourself. You're defenseless when you're in the air. Most times you're defenseless when you're in the air. I honestly thought, because I saw Lathan Ransom come over, I thought Steel Chambers laid that hit because I was like, okay, like that would be a bigger body that could make that hit. And I saw Lathan Ransom like, holy crap, that's the yeah. cover. That's the cover safety. And like that got me excited. Yeah, I didn't know he I didn't know he was built like that, to be honest. I, I honestly I knew he was a good player. I didn't know he had that level of sting to him. No, neither did I. So and then, I yeah, who do you like? Watts, Burke, Cavazos even kind of picked it up after the touchdown. I think those three guys played like pretty good. I think they all had huge pass breakups at one point in the game. Oh, yeah. I, might, I messed up because I didn't put Watts on my list at a minute. So it's really five players that, that um, really shined. So you're bigger on Watts. I was bigger on Burke. It's not a preference thing it's just kind of who stuck out to us and maybe it's like what we were looking for or whatever but i'm telling you right now to me denzel burke looked like the next step in three and done corner like he looked like that's a first round pick he could be defensive player of the year and the nfl like i don't think he had a 
Except the the pass interference because Burke was the pass interference, right in the end zone. Uh, yeah, but I, it was the same play was, two times in a row. And it was touchy. Except the pass interference, I don't think he had a bad play. He no. he played the ball very well. Yeah, like there he were, was he was the one guy where I was like, okay, this guy knows how to play the hands. Like this yeah. guy, he gets to he he understands the eye changes and all that stuff. And he's he's a true freshman. Like, yeah, this is a guy no one was talking about coming into camp. No. No, but I mean, Ryan Watts was really good as well. I mean, they I, were all good. We could talk about this forever. Yeah, I know Watts was the guy I was high on after the spring game. And he's a little different. I think Denzel Burke's a little bit better of an athlete. But Watts is just so long and physical and fast that I was like... And he, he tackled physically. I think he's a very imposing. I think he'll be a great uh, short side of the field corner. And I think, you know, it, it's really just a matter of like if you get seven banks and cam Brown back and they're even at the level of these guys, like that's four really good cornerbacks. I mean, yeah, you're not like, you're not going to want to throw on this. No. And I mean, the craziest thing to me, and this, this is something I, I think you noticed as well was Coombs put the defensive backs in a lot of one-on-one situations. Yeah. He left and them on islands. These guys aren't juniors. Mm. No, he left freshmen on islands, whether it was Cavazos, whether it was Burke, whether it was uh, Ryan Watts. Like, that is absolutely – I was like, holy crap. Like, you know, sometimes they got beat. Lathan Ransom got beat on the inside, you know, when he was covering. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, he's trusting his guys to play man-to-man yeah. coverage. Like, at some point, they have to make plays, and a lot of them did. But here's the thing, right? Like, it's football. Other teams' players – are good. are good. Like, this is college. So, like, I always think of NFL where they're like, they get paid too. And yeah. college, they're on scholarship too. Well, maybe with NIL, it's they get paid too. But they're on scholarship too. They have to win. Like, they have good players. So, yeah, you lose some, but do you win more than you lose? And Especially at a position like corner, you are going to lose. Like, the greatest prime time has lost reps. Like, everyone loses reps. Uh, Revis, you know, Revis Island lost reps. Like, it happens. But do you win more than you lose? And I feel like all of them, except maybe Legend, maybe all of them won more than they lost. Yeah. And I think I think I have to give – I still have to give credit to Lejon because he, he really – he bounced back. And that's, yeah. that's a huge aspect of playing corner. And I know we talk about this all the time. Our biggest issue with last year's defensive backs – was their inability to be physical at the catch point. That is not a problem with these young guys. No, they're physical. And that and that's what really keyed me in on uh on right strong hands. Because even though, especially on that touchdown, even though Legend's hands went to the wrong spot, he was very physical. And yeah. that dude caught it effortlessly. Like yeah, his was, like so it was impressive. Okay, so we're, we're we're starting to run a little bit long, which we knew was going to happen. First uh, game, some, lot, yeah, just, we're learning so much about this team. Yeah. First game, there was no way this was going to be thirty minutes. Um, Sorry, I just have Matt. to say, <laughs> I, I just have to say, um, Ryan Day should have been arrested for his running back and linebacker splits. We we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. That's something they need to figure out. We uh, talked about this pre-show uh, for like five minutes, like. Once I saw, I, I didn't know, I, I mean, I wasn't like down on Henderson, but I was like, I want to see this guy. I want to believe it before I make any wayward assumptions. And I just saw the fastest running back I've ever seen at Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, he it's 
that's the thing. Like, like there's some things you can just see, and you just it's different. It was, and you know, he's got a lot to learn still, probably. But there's just stuff that he has that you can't teach. And I honestly mm-hmm. feel that way about mine as well. Like the, his natural shiftiness and his ability to just bulldoze through people is something that you can't teach. And then him running for 75 yards for a touchdown, I did not have that on my bingo card. No, no, I didn't have that either. I wouldn't have guessed it. And I, I was watching it, and I'm going to rewatch it like a million times. Um, I'm trying to figure out, like, did he get tired or did he just slow down because he was winning? Because if he didn't get tired, that's scary. Yeah. Like if he like the only running back I've seen run that far and not get tired is Ezekiel Elliott at, at Ohio State, but like is Ezekiel Elliott. You want to know how you know like Henderson was for sure a track guy was because he was still getting faster at the end of the run. Yeah, and like you I'm see wild. these guys with angles, and then you just see him blow those angles out of the water. I'd be like, yeah. I was like, what the what? Like it was a flash. It really was. It was a flash of scarlet running down the field. And there's, I promise you, when they called that play, they were like, oh, we'll get 7 to 10, not 70. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things when you have freshmen like this is the coaching staff doesn't even always know what they have fully. And it's moments like that where they're like, oh, my God, okay, this guy's yeah. even better than we thought he was. We trusted him here in a prime time play position to get us a first down, and he turned it into a touchdown. And you saw my tweet. I, I saw mine tonight, and I saw Travion Henderson tonight, and I'm not even being like, like in uh, dishonest here. I really do legitimately think they have Lendell White, Reggie Bush energy. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. That was um, game breaking speed, like I've never seen. I mean, I mean, they both had 70 plus yard touchdowns. Yeah, and one one was in passing, one was in running, but they both had 70 plus yard touchdowns in the same game. And it, it was it was everything we thought we'd get from the running backs. I mean, I know I I'm, I wasn't like you know I wasn't like high on Master Teague being a guy who was going to get a lot of carries throughout the year. I knew he was going to get a lot tonight because they were going to give him his opportunity. Uh, from here on out, I, I don't want to see anyone in that running back position that isn't mine Williams or Travion Henderson running the football. Ma- Master Teague gets he gets third and one and he gets goal line. Yep, and we'll give him his touchdowns. We'll send him off on a swung song. But it, I, I mean, I, I put it just it in our looks bold. different when they have the ball. Yeah, I put it in our predictions. I think Master Teague leads running backs and touchdowns, at least rushing touchdowns, because I would give him the ball on the goal line. I would. I, like Speed that only helps you so much when you have three yards to go. Yeah. But a bulldozer really helps you. So I would give it to him then because he's always going to get three. But outside of that, I don't think he needs it. And I, I, I think we perfectly segued. And these are my favorite moments, so I don't know if I just captured these for both of us or if you have others to add. But one thing that we want to do on this instant recap is just kind of talk about some favorite moments. And we already talked about two of them. Uh, Maya yeah. Williams, 72-yard touchdown after a just a beautiful, beautiful stiff arm. I didn't know how he got so alone out there. I don't know either. Like, I, I that's where... That's where I think Ryan Day used the tempo really well as a play caller because Minnesota wasn't set and they thought the ball was going the other way and it kind of looked like a counter and I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it to see how it really played out. But it was, it was awesome. Yeah. And it was weird because they had like a little zone read or it was either like a zone read or it was like a QB counter look, but CJ Stroud hadn't run the ball. So I don't know why the defense all keyed on that. But it was one man to beat, and he beat him. 
with a stiff arm. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm a huge proponent of the stiff arm. And then obviously, uh, Chavion Henderson's 70 yard touchdown. And the one we haven't talked too, too much about the defense. And I think maybe we'll get into this in some other previews and stuff when we have a little bit more time. But there was a defensive play that stood out to me. Obviously, it was Zach Harrison's strip sack and Haskell Garrett's touchdown. Yeah. The touchdown was amazing, but the thing that stuck out to me the most, and I want to know how you feel about this, uh, Zach Harrison talked about how he felt like he was close. And yeah. he worked really, really hard on, like, did I cross my feet here? Did I take a false step? That Like, the little things that matter, that take 0.1, 0.2 seconds off, that can stop you from getting a sack. And I feel like there was a couple of plays, but that play in particular, I mean, he looked like Chase Young. Like, he looked like a Bosa brother in that play because one thing that helps with sacks is you don't always have to tackle the quarterback no. if you can get the ball. And if you know, you're like, okay. And if he would have went for the tackle, he wouldn't have got it. No. But he just stuck his hand out there. He took the ball out. It counts as a sack. It ended up being a fumble. And that's one of those things that kind of erases that point one, that point two. And it gave me, like, you know, the pass rush wasn't amazing. But I think – I don't remember if we said this on air if it was before, so I repeat it. I think Minnesota has a top three offensive line yeah, in the Big we Ten. Did. Which means they have 10, you know, 10 to 15 nationally. Yeah, and, so and their tackles are no joke. So No, I mean, they're NFL tackles. But that yeah. was a play that was like, okay, I, I think Zach Harrison is actually putting it together because I don't think he makes that play last year. Yeah, and I think, you know uh... – Tyreek Smith had the honor of going up against a 6'9", 360-pound right tackle. Uh, and Zach Harrison had to go up against like a 330-pound left tackle. So week one, it's not going to get much harder than that, you know, from a physical standpoint. And, you know, I think you, I think that's the point, everyone. You know, there's two points to this play that I really liked. And it's Zach Harrison finishing the play. He kind of got rushed upfield, which a tackle does really well. But he came around, he turned his hips well, and got to the ball. And then the second thing to me was how effortlessly Haskell Garrett picked up that ball I mean, and, just, and just took off. The dude was built for it. it. And, just you know, everyone's like, oh, Haskell Garrett scored a touchdown. That's his second touchdown. Because remember, his, his Penn State, with the, yeah, the he NFL, spotted yeah. that one. So he's got two touchdowns. So this guy knows how to get in the end zone. And I, I, I said it as a joke, but, like, he's on pace for 12 touchdowns this season right now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we're at with the big guy. Give me over under two and a half. Give me over under. Well, yeah, two because he already has one. Over under two and a half. I might. I might, I might take, take that the one. over. I might take the over. I might at least really consider it. But yeah, this game was. This game had. I mean, it had a ton of great moments. You know, you had uh, Stroud's first touchdown pass. I. Uh, I mean, Henderson's run. Uh, I think the plays Olave scored on just showed like the type of player he is. And Garrett Wilson, you know, doing what he does. Uh, the one we didn't have on here, but we talked about it. Lathan Ransom's huge hit. Like, yeah. that was old school. You can't be mad about that if you're a Buckeye fan. Uh, I was like, if they throw a flag here, like, I, I'm not even really going to be mad because he just did what any football player would have done. No, I would have been mad because that wasn't that wasn't. I, That's I what I would have been mad about. I wouldn't have been mad at Lathan <laughs> Ransom is what I'm saying. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. That's one yeah. of those ones that's like, hey, <laughs> good job, kid. <laughs> like, you did what you were supposed to do, and they, it was just a bad call. Yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, I think the team uh, – I think the moment – my favorite moment was just how they collected themselves yeah. and were able to just close this thing out the way they should have and iced it. 
And and we talked about it as we start to wrap up. We talked about it. It's a benefit playing a tough game. And this is a team that needed a tough game. There are some teams that need an easy game. There are some teams where you want to play. Like you mentioned it off before we started, Tennessee needed to play Bowling Green. Like they needed an easy game to get it underneath them. Get their feet Ohio right, State yeah. needed a tough game, but not like the Clemson-Georgia tough game. They needed a tough game. So they got it all good. Um, as we start to wrap up, just some final – just some uh, final statistics and players of the game. That's the thing that I added. Uh, so we'll give our players of the game. Some weeks they may be similar because, you know, some players are just that good and it was obvious. Other times they may be different. Um, but just some final stats. C.J. Stroud finished 13 of 22, 294 yards and four touchdowns. Mayan Williams had nine uh, nine attempts, nine carries, 125 yards and a touchdown. And then Chris Olave, as we mentioned before, Four receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, Garrett Wilson had uh, five catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, I think I mentioned this, but yeah, Ronnie Hickman had 11 tackles. Toronto Mitchell had 10. Um, my players of the game, uh, I started with Mayan Williams. Nine, I mean, nine carries for 125 yards. And he really, you know, brought a spark. And not only did he bring a spark, but in his very limited carries. He he led the offense when we really needed him. Um, I wish he would have gotten more carries. I think this is a game that he could have reached 200 yards um, because he, he just got everything that he wanted to. Yep. And then my other player of the game was Josh Proctor because Josh Proctor looked like an eraser. I don't know if we've mentioned his name yet, but yep. he looked like he only had seven Jordan tackles Porter, or whatever, right but he looked like he didn't miss a tackle that I know of. I didn't see any bad angles. He erased him and, and those couple of times that he stopped Mo Ibrahim and some of those other players from turning a 10 yard game into a touchdown. Um, so he, you know, no, he didn't lead the team in tackles, but I think he made some of the most sound plays and I'm giving him a little bit of bump because that's the thing that I was most worried about. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's what he uh, struggled with and our other deep safety struggled. It's erasing that play. You can, you can take a 10 yard game. You can't take, 25. You can't take 50. You can't take a 70-yard touchdown. And I think he stopped a lot of um, potential big plays just by just being solid and being in the right place. Yeah, I, I like your players of the game. I think Josh Proctor, uh, he wouldn't have been my choice, not because he didn't have a good game, but I like your reasoning behind it. Mayan Williams, I think offensively, I think he's got to be the guy uh, just for the dissenting opinion side. I'm going to go with Chris Olave on the offensive side. I think when uh, Stroud was really struggling, he made a nice play to get his confidence up. Uh, then finished the game, iced it himself with that long touchdown, saying it on the sideline. I think those four catches were all very pivotal. I think three of them were super pivotal, and then one was like a nice little 10-yard gain. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I want to give a lot of love to Zach Harrison. I think he had a huge matchup. But two things I noticed he did really well that are pretty underrated were uh, he set the edge really well and forced uh, Mo Ibrahim and the Minnesota running backs inside quite a bit. And the second thing was when the play was opposite of him, he scraped down the line very well and limited gains. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a good thing to kind of wrap up on because we talked about it beforehand. You stopped the run with the defensive line, and I think our defensive line played really, really well. Again, just a reminder, if you take away the 56-yard run, 
Uh, Mo Ibrahim had 29 carries for 3.6 yards per carry. That started with the defensive line. All those tackles for a loss, defensive line, a lot of pressure up the middle. Um, you know, we didn't talk about Teron Vincent and Antoine Jackson because we just can't get to everyone. They may not have been in the stats, but they were in the backfield. Pivotal, um, too. The defensive line played really, really well, so I definitely want to give a shout-out to them. Um, so just something just, you know, as a heads-up, uh, we'll, we'll always end with injury suspensions, anything of note, and then what's next. So, unfortunately, uh, Josh Proctor did go out in the fourth. We don't know if it's serious. It looked like it was an upper body. Um, sometimes yeah. that's something that you can play with. Maybe it's a dislocated. We, we don't know. I don't want to. I'm not going to pretend that I know. So, we don't know what's going to happen, but we should be hearing news for that. Uh, Bryson Shaw, which you mentioned, replaced him. I honestly forgot that Bryson Shaw was on the roster. Like, I don't think I've yeah, talked about bad. him all summer. So, that's going to be interesting to watch, especially um, – if Josh Proctor is out, I also think it's interesting that Marcus Williamson didn't go in um, or Marcus Hooker. So I, I think that's going to be interesting, especially yeah. if Josh Proctor misses some time. And, and then, yeah, Josh Proctor being out, I mean, I don't think he's going to be out. It looks more like a shoulder stinger. And I know he's had those in the past. So I yeah. think he'll be back in 10 days. I, I don't want to speculate as well, but I think we should be hopeful for that. Yeah, and that's the other thing, the benefit of playing on Thursday. Um, they have, what, it's 10, it's 11 days? 10 yeah. or 11 days before their next game against Oregon? That's almost a bye week. Those yeah. extra days really count, especially for injuries, for you know self-scouting, game prep, that kind of stuff. So we won't know until we hear exactly what happened. Um, but also, I would say, because they're pretty quiet with injuries, if we don't hear anything, take that as a positive. Um, Ryan Day has announced some season-ending injuries. I think it's the little ones that he doesn't say. So if we just hear nothing about Josh Proctor in the next week or so, Probably. that doesn't mean he's going to play, but I would take it as a positive. Yeah. So just the last thing, you'll hear us again um, next week. We play Oregon September 11th. Uh, make sure to follow uh, the Land Grant Holy Land feed. We're going to have a bunch of recap. If I remember correctly, Chris, you're going to do a recap film study. Yes, I am. Uh, it's going to be releasing Monday, so be looking out for that on your nice Labor Day weekend. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the Minnesota one because they yeah. did a lot of the things I said. Yeah, I'm, I mean they did. It was very accurate. So definitely tune into the Land Grant Holy Land feed. There's a bunch of football all weekend. I'll be releasing big thoughts on Sunday. The I seventy football show comes out on Monday. Chris's recap uh, video recap which he puts a lot of time and effort in, comes out on Monday. There'll be another Buck Off on Friday, and then you'll hear from us again on Saturday. Uh, you can't follow Buckeye fo football without listening and subscribing and reading to Land Grant Holy Land. you have any final words? I just want to say, you know, um, college football is the closest thing to the NCAA March Madness Tournament. It's all about surviving and advancing. Uh, you know, Ohio State started off fourth ranked in the AP poll. If they went out, there's no questions about it. So uh, I'm taking this as a W. I think it was a really uh, up and down game, but I think that's what we expected going into a first game. Uh, and that's, I guess, going into Oregon, I think the extra time for Bears is going to be extremely necessary. And I agree 100%. Uh, yeah, and then I guess we'll go into where we can find me you can follow me at chris rennie cfb and then follow the buck off podcast for all things ohio state football at buck off pod 
And you can follow me on Twitter at JordanW330. And as always, you know, stay stay tuned and go Bucks. Go Bucks. Good win.